this, um, this idea of uh, true worship is a very, very serious thing that, uh, that we need to be able to wrap our minds around, but also we need to be able to wrap our hearts around how can mere words change people. They can't until you introduce into the equation the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit illuminates words and he sears them into our hearts and he has power to change us. My prayer is, is that we would all, every one of us, regardless of where we are at on the spiritual journey, that we would all experience change today as we grow in our understanding of God's word. Uh, before we begin in John chapter 4, we look at just two verses this morning, the 23rd and 24th verse, John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. Before we begin that time of Bible study, uh, I meant to uh, tell you this morning as we began our service that um, our dear friend, um, Pastor Ward Hodges, many of you know him, uh, is now pastoring a church in Lake Mary, uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church. Uh, he's been there about six months now, doing a great, great job. I'm so very, very excited about what God has in store for that congregation. Well, De um, Ward is in Detroit today, uh, working in ministry up there, and so Pastor Jim is preaching for Ward this morning at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And, of course, his wife, Debbie, is with him. And I know a lot of y'all are wondering, where in the world is Pastor Jim? And um, that's where he is. He's probably going to begin preaching in about an hour. So as we pray and ask God to teach us through his word and change us through his word, let's also remember to pray for Pastor Jim, that God would use him in a mighty, mighty way. He is... He is God's man for the hour for that church. And uh, let's just pray that God would use him in a mighty way. Pray with me if you would. Lord Jesus, um, it, it's tough for us not to make or not to allow Sunday morning to be routine. And we show up here every Sunday and, and we sing and we pray and we sing a little more and we give and we have a Bible study and we sing again and we go home and that's what we do and that's what we do and that's what we do. But this is very, very important to you. I pray, Lord, that you might teach us even through your word the importance of it in our own lives. So use your word this morning to teach and change us and we Unite our hearts together, and we lift up Pastor Jim to you. We ask, Lord, that you would use him in a mighty way, that you would fill him with your spirit, that your spirit would speak through him, that he would be a blessing to those whom he teaches this morning. We pray the same for them, Lord, that your word would change people. Change us so that through our lives you receive honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If the things that we sung this morning, the opening song that Ross wrote, and the first song of worship that we 
sang this morning that talk about all of the many blessings, all of the many things that God gives to us and does for us. If, if none of that was true, we would still need to be a people who worshipped God. Because God is God. And whether or not he involves himself in our lives, he is God. There is a God. And he does rule over this earth. And we should worship him for no other reason than he is God. But we experience his love and his involvement in our lives. And it drives us to a place of awe. And it drives us to a place of worship. This idea of worshiping God is extremely important. Maybe the area of change in our lives this morning is that God would would reveal to us, would mold and shape us in such a way that we would give worship the priority in our life that it deserves. It should be our utmost priority. There is nothing more important in our lives than worshiping God. Listen, that's a bold, bold statement. There should be nothing in our lives that takes precedent, that becomes more important, that is a higher priority than worshiping God. Howard Hughes, you're familiar with that name, a billionaire. On the day that he died, his public relations director directed the casinos in Las Vegas to take 60 seconds, all orchestrated, done at the same time, that they would turn out all of their lights and there would be 60 seconds of silence in memory of Howard Hughes. On the night that that occurred, after that 60 seconds of silence, one of the pit bosses speaks out loud and he says, Okay, roll the dice. He's had his minute. That's how we treat God sometimes. He's had his hour. Let's get back to doing the things that we love to do. Worship has got to take a higher priority in our lives than that. John chapter 4 and verse 23 tells us that the Father is seeking true worshipers to worship Him. The Father is seeking true worshipers. That's an interesting statement to me. It's a, the application in my life is, is that for the, those times in my life when I don't feel close to God, I need not seek Him. What I need to do is worship and he'll seek me. 
What I need to do is worship and he'll find me and he'll reveal his presence to me. What I need to do is to begin to to have a heart of gratitude for who he is. I need to remind myself and I need to praise him for his attributes, his sovereignty, his love, his grace, his forgiveness. I begin to worship him and he seeks me. That 23rd verse, the father is seeking, he's seeking true worshipers to worship him. And true worshipers are those who worship in spirit and truth. John MacArthur was right in entitling his book he wrote on worship. He entitled it, The Ultimate Priority. In the Westminster Catechism, it says these words, The chief end of man is to glorify God. The number one priority, to glorify God. MacArthur defines worship this way. Worship is all that we are reacting rightly to all that he is. All that we are reacting rightly to all that he is. My own definition, worship is an inner attitude and feeling of awe, of reverence, of gratitude, of love toward God, an inner feeling, not external, an inner feeling, attitude of awe, reverence, thankfulness, and gratitude and love toward God. Worship is not music. Worship is loving God. Worship is honoring God. Worship is knowing and understanding God for who He is. It's adoring Him. It's obeying Him. It's proclaiming Him as a way of life. Music is one of the ways that we express that adoration. Since God is seeking true worshipers, we should make it a priority to become such worshipers. I see a transition that takes place in this 23rd verse. Remember that Jesus is having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. An outcast. One to whom he reveals to her her sin. One who is not even embraced by the people in her own community. She travels to this well where she encounters Jesus at a certain time of the day to avoid having to interact with the people in her community. She travels to this well instead of the well that is there in Sychar, the city where she lives. She travels to the well just outside of the city to avoid And Jesus, who loves this woman and has a heart for this woman, sees in her the opportunity, the potential that she might become a true worshiper. That's encouraging to me. In those times when I, when I think to myself, who am I? Why would I think God would want to use me in any kind of way at all. I think 
of his attitude and his heart and his love for this outcast whom he says to himself, this person can be a true worshiper. We can all be a true worshiper. And I see in this conversation that he has with this woman, he, he begins to reveal to us a transition that is taking place. He says to her, an hour is coming when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. He says to her, it's really here now. It's here because Jesus is here. His presence begins a transition from the old way of worship to a new way of worship. Under the old way, place was significant. Where you worshiped was significant. She had asked him about where should we worship? Should it be there? Should it be here? And under the old covenant, it was an important part of worship. Three times a year, Jewish men would, would come and they would bring their families and some would travel days in order to get to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is where they worship. Jerusalem is where they recognized the very presence of God. Place was important. And under the old way, place was significant. But in the new way, Jesus is the temple that we go to to worship so that where we worship is secondary. How we worship and who we worship is primary. Just as this woman was thinking, oftentimes we think we go through the proper externals, we touch the bases, then we're right with God, we're good with God. Sometimes that's an hour on Sunday morning at the church building. Externals, that's externals. Worship is an internal manifestation. How and who we worship is what's important. The fact that there are true worshipers means that there are false worshipers. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8, Jesus is speaking and he really is quoting from Isaiah. And he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It's the heart that matters. That's why we take a, a few seconds really just before our service begins to prepare our hearts. I, I think it's important that we recognize and understand that we cannot be true worshipers until we have a time of confession to our Father, a time of repentance to our Father, a time of acknowledging and recognizing that there are things in our lives that aren't pleasing to Him. We kind of agree with Him that those things are there. We tell God that we want to repent. That simply means that we want to turn away from those things and turn toward Him. We can't be true worshipers until we have that kind of exercise in our lives. And that's not a daily kind of exercise. It's really a moment-by-moment -moment kind of exercise. We can't be true worshipers until we do that. I think it's significant in this interaction, this, this conversation that Jesus has with this Samaritan woman that, that He reveals to her her sin. Go and get your husband, he says to her. 
she's amazed at this question. She's shocked at this question. She's a little embarrassed at this question. This is an uncomfortable thing for her, but she admits and she comes clean, if you will, and she says to him, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, I know, you're right. (laughs) You've had five. You're sleeping with a guy right now who's not your husband. It's interesting to me also that that's the only time Jesus brings that up. He just wants to expose this so that it's out there so that she can turn from this because she can't be a true worshiper. I think of John chapter 3 and verse 20. When I think about this interaction, Jesus is talking, everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light because if he comes to the light, his deeds will be exposed. And so he just exposes the deeds up front so that they can be dealt with so that she can begin to make her way toward being a true worshiper. Folks, listen to me. This is so very important. Concealed sin keeps us from seeing the light of Jesus. It deadens our senses to who He is. It hinders us. No, it prevents us from being the worshipers that He seeks I believe that that, that many in this room deal with this this concealed sin. Look, you know God is real. You know He loves you. You've experienced relationship with Him. You've experienced intimacy with Him. You've experienced His involvement in your life. You know what it means to have a relationship with Him. You're willing to give Him everything except. I'm... I'm I'm encouraging you this morning to to, to expose that. He's aware of it, but confess that. Agree with him. Yes, that's there. Oh, God, I need your help in this area of my life. I so have a heart and a desire to turn from it. Until we experience that kind of, of confession and repentance, we can't be true worshipers. This is our highest priority to be True worshipers. True worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. This is evidently extremely important. In these two verses, Jesus mentions it to this woman and to us this morning. He mentions it to us twice. The hour is coming. It's now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. I don't know if it's right to say there needs to be a balance between spirit and truth. I think it's kind of 100% spirit and 100% truth. If we were to worship God in spirit but not have truth, then we, we begin to worship, worship that which is not true, which is false gods, whatever that is. False gods in our lives. Anything in our lives that's more important to us than, than He is. To worship in truth without spirit is to fall into this, this ritual, this, this routine kind of going through the motions. We need to worship 100% in spirit and 100% in truth. I think for me to worship in spirit is to worship from the heart. From within. It is part emotion. 
though not wholly emotion. Because emotion, I'm talking about feelings. Emotion flows out of commitment. It, it flows out of truth. It's like in the marriage relationship. We should not love our spouse because we feel like loving our spouse. We love our spouse because that's the commitment we made. And as we follow through in that commitment, we begin to experience the emotion. We begin to experience the feeling. Maybe it's like that in our worship, that feelings flow out of commitment. Folks, the point is, is that worship's not external, it's internal. The, the point is, is that, is that God is spirit, and we must worship him in spirit. I, I, I think of the verse in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. They are folly to him. He's not unable to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Here's what, Jesus, here, here's what Paul's teaching in that passage of Scripture. In order to understand the things of God, that's truth, in order to understand the things of God, the Spirit within us needs to be alive. The Bible word for that is quicken. He quickens our spirit. When we are reborn, when we, are, when we become a Christian, when we cross that line of faith, when we give Him ourselves, at the point of conversion in our lives, He makes the Spirit in us come alive. When the Spirit in us comes alive, then we are able to, to discern the things of God. If the Spirit in us is not alive, we think the things of God are silly. Have you ever tried to tell someone about God that, and they think those things are silly? Well, that shouldn't surprise us. He quickens our spirit. He makes our spirit come alive. That's really the definition of born again. Our spirits are born. We're born spiritually. And when the spirit comes alive, then we can interact with him. We can converse with him. We can worship him. We can hear from him. We can experience his love. We can be guided and led by him. Only when our spirit is alive. It is an internal thing. When we turn it into an external thing, we leave the spirit out and we Go through the motions to worship in truth. God reveals Himself to us in His Word and through His Son, Jesus, who is truth. To worship in truth is to worship God for who He is. For who He is. To worship God for, for how He has revealed Himself to us. To worship Him for His attributes, His love, His kindness, His, His discipline in our lives, His sovereignty, His grace. We worship Him when He gives. We worship Him when He takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We worship Him not because of what He does or what He doesn't do, but because of who He is. He is God. We worship Him in truth. We remind ourselves, we waller in the, in the truths of who He is and His attributes. We worship Him. The Spirit flows out of truth. 
Feeding our mind on truth moves our spirit to praise and love God. We've got to grow in this idea of being true worshipers. If there's true worshipers, there's false worshipers. We must grow, I think, three directions in this idea of becoming true worshipers. We, we, it, it, just in our spiritual life, just like in our spiritual life, it's this, it's this journey we, that we learn on a daily basis what it means to be a true worshiper. We must grow as individuals as true worshipers. I know that you know this, but we need to be reminded of it this morning that personal worship, your own personal worship, is not restricted to a few minutes on Sunday morning. Right? You know that. 1 Corinthians 10, whatsoever ye eat, whatsoever you drink, whatsoever you do, do to the glory of God. Let everything in your life be an act of worship. The way we treat other people, the way we serve, the way we give, the way we share Jesus, the way we behave, the way we behave, all of that is an act of worship. When we leave this worship service, our ultimate priority ought to be to worship God. When we walk out the doors, our ultimate priority ought to be to worship God. That's, a, that's the act of personal worship. It's so important to God. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's seeking. Those who will be true worshipers. We could and we should and we will spend more time talking about our personal journey in becoming true worshipers. But we must also grow as a church family in being true worshipers. Corporately. Worshiping God together. Our focus, in case you were unaware of this, our focus here at Avalon Church is to give praise and honor and thanks together as a family to God who loves us and gave His Son for us. That's what we're about. Listen, that's what we're about. But we have this mentality, don't we? That you are the audience and the praise leaders and, and the pastor or the presenters or the performers. And so you come as an audience and you're, you, you evaluate the experience. Whether or not I got anything. Whether or not I felt entertained. But that's not what true worship is about. The reality is this. You are the cast of actors. Praise leaders and pastors, they're, they're kind of giving the cues, moving things along. The audience is God. You're the cast of characters. The audience is God. The entire presentation is for Him. It's for His pleasure. It's for His glory. When you put the experience in that context, the issue is not, did I get anything out of it? It becomes, did I give God the heartfelt praise and thanks and glory that He deserves? 
would you agree with me that we as a church family, as a church body, we have to grow in our understanding of what it means to be true worshipers as a church family. It's an aim of our church. It's a priority. It's what God is seeking. We must grow in helping others, our community, even our world to become true worshipers. There's the personal, there's the corporate, and then there's the, 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 the bringing the world, our community, to a place of becoming true worshipers. That's what Jesus was doing with this Samaritan woman. That's what Jesus was doing with Nicodemus. That's what Jesus was doing with the disciples. He was seeking true worshipers. And everything from this extremely religious man to this outcast and everything in between, he looks at us and he says, he can be a true worshiper. She can be a true worshiper. And we ought to have a heart for seeing others and thinking to ourselves, they could be true worshipers. John Piper says this to his church family, I submit it to you this morning. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. We have a calling in helping others to become true worshipers. Here's some suggestions, and then I'm going to close. You can't be a true worshiper unless Jesus is your Savior and your Lord. To worship in spirit means the spirit within you must come alive. That only happens at conversion. I know that there are those here this morning, and you've never placed your faith and trust in God's provision, Jesus Christ. I don't know what hinders you from doing that. Maybe it's this perception that you're going to have to act a certain way, or maybe it's the things of God are kind of folly to you. They're silly to you. Well, that's only natural because the spirit within you has not come alive and you can't understand the things of God. I can tell you this, if you'll accept it, if you'll receive it, I can tell you this, God loves you. God loves you and he desires to have a relationship with you and sin prevents that from happening, but he has provided a provision for our sin in his son, Jesus Christ. And when we place our faith and our trust in him, when we receive him, when we embrace him, when we accept him for who he is and what he did on that cross, which has paid the penalty for our sins, when we believe that, when we trust in that, when we give ourselves to that, he'll save you. He'll take your sin away. The spirit inside of you comes alive and you see God in a way you've never seen him before. And it's the beginning of a journey. Becoming a true worshiper, but Jesus has got to be your savior and your Lord. Here's a second suggestion. Establish a daily time alone with God in his word and in prayer. Worship is a response to truth. I can't overemphasize this. We say this all the time. And you ought to spend time with Jesus. You know why? Because it's a relationship. And relationships don't grow unless you spend time. You spend time with Jesus. I promise you this. He'll show up. And as you give yourself to him, he'll give himself to you. 
He'll reveal himself to you. That's where truth comes from. Here's a third. Eliminate all of the garbage that hinders your growth in worshiping God. Our number one priority, not at nine o'clock on Sunday morning, but moment by moment, Monday through Monday is to worship God. It's our highest priority, yet there are some things that hinder us from doing that. I think it's good that we identify what those things are and eliminate them. I don't know what that might be in your life. For me, it's television. It's the computer. You know, it's, I, I get so easily distracted. There's some things that God wants to just take out of my life. I'm not saying that I can't ever watch a football game again, but I'm saying that there are things that are hindering me from moment by moment Fulfilling my ultimate priority in life, which is being a true worshiper of God. And we've got to identify those things. Well, Dale, I don't know what those things are. Ask God to reveal those things to you. He's happy to do that. Why? Because he's seeking true worshipers. Here's another one. Prepare your heart for corporate worship. You know what I might suggest you do? I'm talking specifically about corporate worship together. You might start Saturday night. God, I'm looking forward to worship tomorrow. Prepare my heart for that. Is there anything in my life that needs to be dealt with before corporate worship tomorrow? Look, I'm not suggesting you do this. I do everything I possibly can not to do anything Saturday night. No social engagements, no going out, no, just, just Saturday night. That's really most of Saturday. And Saturday I'm preparing for corporate worship. I, I want to encourage you to do that. That's not silly. Maybe take some time before you go to bed Saturday night. God, tomorrow morning it's corporate worship. I'm going to be with the brothers and says, I'm going to be with my family. We're going to worship you together. Prepare my heart. I, 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 I want to worship you. Remind yourself that God is the audience. That this is for Him. It's not a matter of evaluating the experience by saying, what did I get out of it? It's not for me, it's for Him. But it's this incredible paradox that when we worship, we worship, we worship, and we experience Him. I'm telling you, we prepare our hearts for worship and we have in our mind this, He's the audience. He's the, I'm the player. <laughs> I'm the presenter. He's the audience. All of a sudden, when that becomes real to us, it doesn't matter if you know the song or not. You're just worshiping Him. It doesn't matter if it's too fast. You're just worshiping Him. It doesn't matter if it's too slow. You're just worshiping Him. It doesn't matter if it's cold in here or hot in here. It, 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 this is, He's the audience. Doesn't that make a difference, the perspective that we have? Here's the last suggestion that I'll make. Worship God in His creation. We're so blessed. Live here in Florida, 45 minutes an hour from the beach. And have you ever gone out to the beach and just worshipped God? What about the stars at night? What about God's creation? Does that stimulate you to consider how great He is? To worship Him? Him. Here's what the word says. The hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and so those who worship Him 
must worship in spirit and truth. Let me invite you to stand. What is God? By His Holy Spirit, interacting, conversing with your spirit, asked of you this morning. And what will your response be? Father God, as I look at my life and have a time of evaluation, I can see things in my life that I worship that aren't you. I want to be a true worshiper. Not for a half an hour, an hour on Sunday morning, Lord, but moment by moment, day by day. May I be a true worshiper of you. I need you on this journey to help me. Where I am weak, you are strong. Father God, I lift up every single individual in this room. I ask that they might see themselves as you see them. That they would acknowledge that you seek them as true worshipers. God, make this our highest priority. Everything else will fall right in line. We want to be true worshipers.